What is up, everybody? Thanks again for joining me for another edition of Bauman's Breakdown. Mike Bauman with you here as always. Great to have you for another episode, and I really appreciate you guys coming aboard my crazy train with every show and enjoying these conversations that I get to have with some some really interesting people, some really good musicians. Coming uh, coming to you guys a little sad today, man, uh, and I'm not trying to put a damper on the vibe or anything, but uh, my best friend who I've known since I was 12 years old, my buddy Nate, really great dude, really great person. He's actually moving to California today for a new job, so we got to hang out last week and we hung out last night before he uh before he left today actually right now he's probably on his way to the airport to uh to go fly out there so uh it's just kind of a reminder that uh time flies you know what i mean you know we're i'm 27 he'll be 27 in july we've known each other since we were 12 we met uh in junior high when we both both went to christ the king here in Toledo, ohio and uh became really close once we got to high school, and we've been best buddies ever since. And uh, it's tough, man. It's tough. I mean, granted, with Skype and everything now, it's a lot easier to to keep in touch with people. It's not like back in the day where you had to like write a letter. You know what I mean? We're we're spoiled by technology, and it makes it easier. But um, I give him a lot of credit. It takes a lot of guts to to move as far away from his family and everything that he knows and what he's doing. And uh, it's just it's inspiring to me to continue to be courageous with this stuff too, and, and try to take it somewhere because. Uh, Time is time is a precious thing. You know, it's it's something that um, when you're young, you feel like you have a lot of it. The days seem to be, you know, seem to feel like years when you're a kid and you're in school, and then you get older, and and the years feel like days. It's really it's really crazy how that works. The older you get, the faster it seems to go. And we're still young, man. You know, we're still young, but um, but yeah, it's just kind of a kind of a reminder for me in my own life too to keep keep doing the stuff that I'm doing. So. Uh, I love you, buddy, and uh, we're still gonna be we're still gonna be best friends no matter what. And it's it's funny. I got a lot of Nate stories, man. Um, <laughs> over the years, with shenanigans with that dude, we share a similar sense of humor and uh, can talk about anything. But I still remember, and I was even talking about this last night. We we met after I got off work, and some of his family was with us too at our favorite local spot, Nick and Jimmy's, getting a double. Jameson and Ginger Ale, what you guys know about that? All right, all right. Matthew McConaughey knows about Jamie Lowe and Ginge. That's what I'm talking about. But uh, we went over there, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, we're having a couple of drinks, and I even I even told his mom, like, I still remember the first day of high school, and it was really before even high school started. Um, this was, gosh, pushing 13 years ago now. Yeah, we were 14, so it'll be 13 years coming up in, like, August or something like that, but... Before the freshmen actually, you know, start regular high school, they have a freshman orientation type of thing where they try to get you acclimated and make you feel comfortable and the whole nine. And I remember his mom taking us to school. And so we walk in, you know, and we're and we're going from a, a grade school where there was like, you know, 64 kids or something in our, you know, eighth grade class to going to a school of 1,200 kids and 300 in the freshman class, basically. So... It was a big, it was a big jump, you know. And we, she drops us off. And Central is a really old school where we went to school locally. It's a, it's a very, it's a cool looking building, you know. It's got, it's got these big, big pillars in the front of it, and it's kind of ominous when you're young, you know what I mean? You kind of feel like, oh my gosh, this is like a fortress that I'm getting ready to walk into. So we go in there. We're in the building. I don't even know if we're in the building. Maybe two minutes. We're in, we're on the first floor. We're just kind of looking around like, all right, where are we supposed to go? What are we supposed to do? Do you know what room you got to go to? You know what room? And and all of a sudden, this really cute, petite blonde just walks up to Nate and it's like, hi, and just wraps her arms around him and hugs him for like probably a minute and a half. It felt like an hour. She just hugged him and buried her head in his his uh, his chest. Actually, it's probably more like his stomach because he's like 6'5 and she was really small. So I just kind of stood there thinking, well, high school is going to be good for Nate. <laughs> I'm not really sure uh, what it holds in store for me, but it uh, looks like Nate's going to be just fine. But, uh, we, you know, he, he's a Marine. He served in Iraq for 
an eight-month tour seven years ago, my sophomore year of college, which that was rough. And um, I'm really lucky, and his family's lucky, and all of his buddies are lucky. We're, we're all lucky that he made it home safe with all the uh, all the stuff that was going on there and how crazy it was over there. And uh, he made it back in one piece, man. And we've we've just we've done a lot of stuff over the years. We've we've had a lot of fun together, and we're always going to be best friends, no matter where we're living. So, but it's just it's just like I said, it's just kind of nuts because you just think about how quick time is going, and even just leaving the bar last night and walking back to my car, I just started thinking like, wow, man, like this is this is life right now. This is life, you know. We're we're twenty seven, and when we're we're trying to make things happen, and he's a smart guy. Got a really good job out there, and it's going to be making some some good money. And you know, who knows? Maybe maybe I'll end up out in uh, out in Cali too. We'll see what the uh, what the tide rolls in. You know, but uh, I really do do appreciate you guys checking out the show, man. And uh, you know, I feel like I'm kind of growing with you guys as I as I go along with this thing too, which is why I share personal stuff like this because. Uh, it's it's cool having people on board and checking out the checking out the podcast, but uh, but yeah, man, you got a best friend out there. Just uh, do what you can to just always be there for him. You know, I still remember I kept missing his calls when he was in Iraq that year, and it was driving me nuts. It was just driving me crazy because it's like he, when he left, it, there was just he, he, I didn't have that feeling that anything bad was going to happen. But when you're at war, you never know what can happen. You know what I mean? So. It was pretty pretty scary. It was pretty scary, and I was so ticked off that I kept missing his calls and missing his calls. And then finally, one day in the spring that year, I remember I was in the student annex building in college. This little it was basically like a trailer. They've since torn it down, but uh, we were in class. It was like an English class that I had, and my phone started buzzing and I looked at the number and it was just really long number. And I was like, that's gotta be, I know that's him. And I just left class. I was like, screw it. That's one of the perks of college. It's not like high school. It's like, Mike, you have to sit down. You have to fill out this slip to get a hall pass. It was like, screw it. My buddy's in Iraq. I haven't, I haven't seen him in like two months. I keep missing his calls like an idiot. And, uh, it was cool to talk to him. And then I remember not long after that, literally a few days later, I was on Yahoo checking my email, and on the main page, when I talked to Nate, he told me he was going to be in Romedy. And on the main page of Yahoo, a few days later, I saw a headline that was like, two Marines dead in Romedy. And I just, like, my my stomach just completely dropped out. And I thought, oh my God, this is crazy. And I texted his his girlfriend at the time, and, you know, thankfully he was okay. And then when I talked to him, Basically, the story was they were driving through town, and there was like three Humvees. The IEDs went off for the two in front of them, and the one that was supposed to go off next to the Humvee he was in didn't go off. So it's just it's just crazy, man. The dude's been through a lot. He served our country. He's a smart guy. He's a great friend, a great son, and I'm really happy for him that he's getting this great opportunity to go out there, but, you know appreciate the people in your life man whether it's your best friends or your family or you've got grandparents that you don't talk to that much just make sure you let them know how much you care because things change real quickly you know whether it's people moving to different parts of the country or people having kids you know I'm at that age now where a lot of people that I know and that I've grown up with are having kids and getting married and you know kind of sliding into that next phase of life whatever that is you know and you just you're more conscious as you get older just how how fast time goes and just how how short our our experiences here really are because of of just how quick things go you know so uh so yeah i'm not trying to put a damper on anything i'm like i said i'm i'm sad but i'm happy too and i'm happy because uh i know i've got changes coming this year too that i'm working on and i'm excited that he's getting this opportunity to get a fresh start somewhere else and he's going to be doing a lot of traveling with his work and i know we're going to be best friends no matter what and we're still going to stay in touch every week so congrats nate i love you buddy and as far as this show goes man um this is actually a conversation that i had back in october that i was just kind of waiting for the right time to to put out there with you know all the other shows that i've that i've done for you guys and the writing and everything and this one is actually with michael fish fisher of Society's Ugly Son. 
has also done a lot of solo work over the years and, and has really done music from all different ends of the spectrum. He's from Ugly Things Productions, Northwest Ohio native, and really has an interesting story. Not long after this guy got out of high school, he had some some record deals down in Atlanta. And basically the whole thing kind of blew up in his face. His songwriting partner and, and friend ended up falling in love and deciding not to really do music anymore. And then Michael got his then-girlfriend pregnant and not long after that ended up falling in a hole and really hurting himself to the point where he was told he may never walk again. So he basically, you know, just got his teeth kicked in, came back to Toledo, and as he was learning to try to walk again and raise his raise his child, he he just was pumping out a lot of music. And a lot of that ended up being Society's Ugly Son working on their six, or seventh album right now, which is going to be called Gentlemen, Creatures, and Robots. And on top of that, he's done three solo albums. So basically, he's done ten albums within seven years. And Society's Ugly Son, the initial idea for that started to kind of come about as sort of like an alter ego, like Alice Cooper. And it started about 2005, and they've been a band officially, I think, since 2007. So these guys have been around for a while and actually, Big Dad Rich, who you guys heard on this podcast when they played in Toledo, got a chance to talk to him and gave you guys that conversation on this on this show. Society's Ugly Son was actually on that bill back in November. And they have a really interesting sound, man. It's kind of a combination of like 80s metal and some grunge and some 70s rock and a little psychedelia in there. And Fish sings, he plays the guitar, he does a lot of different stuff. But uh, this guy's got a really, really interesting story and really an inspiring story, you know, just to show that what you think initially of, of how certain opportunities come about and, and how you envision them, they might not always pan out the way that you thought initially, but that doesn't mean that that road is a dead end. There's still light at the end of the tunnel, and there was for Fish, and it was really cool to talk to him, and I'm so happy to finally give you guys this conversation because he's a really good dude, really friendly guy, really great, talented musician, uh, was more than gracious with me as far as his time went when we when we did this show, and I'm so happy to finally be bringing you guys this conversation because he's got a really great story and is a really cool dude and makes great music. So without further ado... I'm going to shut my mouth and give you guys my conversation with Michael Fish Fisher. Here it is. Well, I, I, I definitely appreciate you taking the time. And um, you've, you've done a, a lot of different things musically over the years, but how did... Um, Society's Ugly Son, was that, it was kind of birthed out of like a, like a story that you're doing? Yeah, and you're in, in for this one. You kind of combine like '80s metal with uh, southern rock. You got it, man. There, there's like it's, it's kind of a cool combination, I think. Of, of I like to think it's the '70s, '80s, and, and, and the '90s all together. You got like a real '70s southern rock kind of sensibility, you know. But uh, there's definitely kind of like that. that uh, we like to take it up a notch with the guitar work, like they used to in the '80s, where it was almost like you like to challenge yourself to see what you can work in there. 
But, but the only common denominator that all four of us have together is actually the grunge of the 90s. So, so that's kind of like our platform that we put all of it on. And we just like to see what happens when you mix all that up in some crazy stew, you know. Yeah, so so you were, are you from Toledo originally and then you, you were down in Atlanta and you came back? Oh, man, yeah, that's actually how it happened, man. Like, I grew up in South Toledo, born and raised, you know, down at South and Broadway. Uh, and then uh was in Oregon, Ohio for my high school years. And then shortly after that, I had some record deals down in Atlanta and stuff like that and went down there and just like anybody, had some successes and some failures and, and so on. And then I ended up back in Toledo. And, uh, yeah, it was about that time that really I just started kind of like splitting my vision. Half the time I wanted to be a songwriter, that just it was me and an acoustic guitar and then some of the stuff I was, you know, trying to pass on to other people or sell to other people. And the other half of the time I just wanted to make the most obnoxious, crazy, big noise, you know, large stage type music you could have. And that's where I just divided my solo career and my, my, my band career into two very different beasts. <laughs> So for society's ugly son, how many how many years have you have you been at it with this? Um, with, with with these guys, I mean, with some slight changes to the lineup here and there and stuff. We've been doing this for seven years, and I believe we go in the studio next month uh, in Rossford, Ohio, and that will be our seventh full length album. So seven years, seven albums, pretty much. Wow. So this this upcoming one is uh, number seven. Yeah, this will be number seven. Are you recording at uh, Little Little Elephant? Is that where you're going to be at? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. You got it. We've recorded every album up until then at uh, Happy Land in Waterville, but but uh, they just shut down last year as soon as we were done with our last album back in 2013. And I happened to find Little Elephant. They'd always been on my radar. Some guys that I wanted to work with, you know, over in Rossford. And, uh, yeah, went and met with them in January, I think. It was kind of like, hey, you want to hear it? We got just a bunch of music that I don't know what to do with. And they were like, yeah, let's do it. And we, <laughs> we've been plotting out since. I actually started one solo album with them, but I'm about halfway through, and I'm taking the band in starting in, in, in November and kind of putting the focus on that because the band's written so much good material this year. We just need to get another album done, you know. Yeah, the little elephant guys are good dudes. Uh, the one dude, uh, his little brother, I think, is Rob Courtney, or he might be Rob. Cor- what's what's his first name? Rob is actually one of the two uh, producers and, and, and owners of the studio, so it must be Rob's little brother. I wouldn't know his little brother, but Rob's super cool. Yeah. Yeah, because I I went to Central, and I remember the Courtneys when I was there. I think the oldest oh, one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the oldest one was like three years older than me, and then he had a little brother that was like a year between me and my sister. So I, but I couldn't remember which one was Rob Courtney and which one was the was the other brother. But uh, so yeah, that that's cool that they've I, that they've started that up, and I know they've gotten some press locally, and because they've they've recorded, I mean, with with bands from from all across the board, you know, at Little Elephant. Yeah, they do a lot of bands locally, and they do a lot of uh, videos for bands traveling through nationally and stuff. Uh, they got like a video business also. Now, Rob is super cool, man. Rob's a good guy. So what's, uh, what, what is this, this alter ego? I mean, you mentioned it was kind of, um, birthed out of just wanting to do the fun crazy stuff and 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 i even saw on the the facebook page like you had guys like alice cooper and rob zombie uh which by the way i've been to a lot of shows over the years and uh women i have not seen women go crazier i was just at pearl jam on thursday i have not seen women go crazier than when rob zombie is performing that is the honest truth. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about that guy. I don't know if it's just because he's such a polarizing character. And they do put on a show, but women go absolutely crazy for Rob Zombie. That's one thing I've Actually, learned. I've been to a few shows, and you're probably right. Yeah, <laughs> and it's hard to explain because, I don't know, man, there's something about being a musician that always makes you laugh. I just think, like, you know what, if any of us, including him or you, Graham, 
And I think um, you mentioned the the grunge element, um, you know, playing playing a part into it. Is that uh, is that sort of the common thread or the, or the glue that kind of melds all the like sort of the southern rock and sort of the '80s metal stuff together? You know, it's funny we we never realized it until maybe two or three years ago because all of us have really different tastes, and it's never been a problem. But it's been always hard to define to people. You know what I mean? Uh, then one day we were all talking and we could not agree on one thing except for we all at least kind of like the grunge era movement. So, so we each love something else much bigger. But that grunge era movement, it was just one of those things that, yeah, I would say it's kind of the common denominator. It's, it's, it's that one thing that we go like, it's nothing else. We can all meet right there. Not one of us can resist Allison Chains or Stone Temple Pilots, you know? And then, uh, you know, you move on from there and I'm real in the Jets Hotel and some of the guys be like, yeah, and Jay might be into Led Zeppelin and three out of four of us are like, yeah, and I might be one of us just goes like, I never got it. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and I'm terrible. All I listen to anymore these days is bluegrass and raps. You can imagine those poor guys don't even know what to do with me. <laughs> but the one thing we all come back to at the end of the day, we just go like, you know what? If nothing else, big riffs, big drums, deep lyrics. That was kind of the, the ground gear right there. You know, and... and so we use that as kind of a plateau to kind of launch everything else. And other than that, we just kind of, we don't just accept each other's differences musically. We kind of embrace it and just say, how do we, rather than choosing one of these four things, how do we incorporate all four of them and, and, and just make it a party mess, you know? 
Yeah, so for for this um, this upcoming album, I mean, where where have you been um, writing from for for this record? Like, what what uh, what what have you kind of stylistically been putting on this record? Or is I mean, is it is it kind of more concepty? I mean, what what's this one kind of what kind of direction is this album going to go in? No, it's um, fine, it's fine. But yeah, no, back to it. Uh, okay, here's the deal, man. Every year for six albums since 2007, we have written the songs almost as we're playing on stage all the time. So by the time we release an album, everybody that knows us has heard those songs for a year, right? And then in 2013, we released what is probably our favorite album, it's called Tell the Dragon. And we're so proud of it. We're just like, oh man, it's sold better than the other ones. You know, whether locally or online and stuff. We're kind of like, oh, that's cool. Well, we can't top it. So what do we do now? And we used to focus all about our differences, uh, like bringing in the different uh, influences that you and I just talked about. Well, about a year ago, in the fall, we just came up with this idea of what, what if we write an entire album and don't tell anybody until next fall, which we write now. <laughs> That's why I said you're the first one I get to talk to about this. I didn't approach you, you approached me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we just said, like, hey, let's not even tell you what we're writing. Let's let them think we're going to a dry spell or something. Let's not play it on stage. Let's not get overexcited about it because we we're always so excited about the next song. We just start playing it and working it to the ground, you know? And, uh, and that's exactly what we did last year around this time we set the rule nobody's hearing this stuff until fall of 2014 at the earliest and uh, and, and that's when we decided we're going to try a new studio we're going to do all this stuff well that's exactly what I'm doing we've just been woodshedding it like 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 covert operations going right in this entire album but not one friend not one of our girlfriends not one of our wives nobody's heard one of these songs and they're fantastic and then we decided to flip the script instead of focusing on our contrasts we decided to make one entire fluid album of what do we have in common and so it was almost too easy we just started writing and we were just like hey let's uh just see what happens every song as long as it's a great song we keep it if it's an average song we kick it out the box <laughs> and that's been it uh so right now at this time, that's when I contacted the level. I was like, hey, we got a full hour's worth of material. Let's set my solo stuff aside. Let's go in there in November and start recording this stuff. And uh, so you're the first person to ask that question or even hear that answer, that this entire album is just entirely based on the straightest line and the simplest concept of what do we sound like when we just get on stage that we don't think with our brains, we don't even think with our hearts. We just play with our guts. And what does that album sound like? And that's what this one is all about. Um, matter of fact, I don't think we've even told anybody yet. This album's called Gentlemen, Creatures, and Robots. And it's a little bit outlandish, just over the top. We're, we're recording it, not even do a quick track. We're just going in, we're plugging and playing, start the back, the whole album. We've never done that before. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, we were actually just talking two weeks ago. We can't believe we actually kept that all under wraps until now. So we're announcing all that this weekend at this show that we got at uh, the main event downtown. Yeah. We can, we kind of announced it a little bit with a, a video we put out uh, last month, kind of an announcement video and stuff. But but we're, but we're securing that whole thing and letting people know we're gonna we're gonna play one of the songs from that album for the first time and. Uh, to start promoting that kind of thing. And then we're going out of town in December, going to a few cities down south and stuff to kind of push the whole thing. And then we're planning on releasing it in the spring because you figure it's going to take us, you know, over a little while, it'll probably take us two months to record it. And then there's mastering and mixing and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, the whole concept is actually the first time every other album has been very conceptual to whether it's like, I walk in, I say, here's what the next album's going to sound like, let's chase that dog and catch it, you know, and then all the guys jump with me and we go do it. This is the first time we said, let's not define what it is before it happens. Let's just say great songs only and that's it. And so this album is that one. And, and by the end, it just ended up being very different from all the others, but actually really familiar. You know, like, if you've liked what we've done for seven years, you will love this album. 
But if you've never understood us and you hear the sound for the first time, you'll go, now I get it. That's kind of where we come from. So you, so in the story, you, you, do you want me to tell people this, or do you want me to not, not say anything about the, the new oh, record? No, 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 that's all on the record, man. I, oh, okay. I, I guess I meant that, like, when I tell you you're the first one to hear that, I guess I mean that as, like, I think it's cool you guys contacted me instead of me contacting you. It didn't really occur to me to start promoting that album yet, but me and the guys have just talked, and we just made that video uh, to, to start promoting it, so. yeah. The way I figure is why not? No, you, anything out of that, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you're recording the stuff or taking notes or whatever. Whatever you want to take from that, I'm actually proud to have you guys be the first one. Like I said, you guys have always taken care of me, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, regardless, band or solo. Um, and once you get to talk about it, I'm obviously excited about it. We, yeah, yeah. We're, we're so immature, we've never sat for that long and touched anything under wraps. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it, man. No, it's it's exciting, too, because, I mean, to go from a situation, like you said, where you basically write a song, play it on stage, and then the album comes out and people have already heard it, to doing this approach where you're just writing what feels natural and you're going for what, what, what our common thread is, and then you're going to put the album out, then, then people, I think, will be, they'll be excited because it's different. It's a different approach, you know? I'm not going to put in there fish said with the sore throat, comma, you know what I mean? <laughs> So for you guys, for for the live show, because um, I've not had a chance to see it yet. So is it kind of because like I've seen I've seen Guar, and they're really talented, but they, they also poke fun at a lot of stuff. And their 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 show is tight, but they they also have fun with it. If it makes sense, obviously they don't. If you're dressing up as like space creatures, you're not taking yourself too seriously. You know what I mean? But for for you oh, guys, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is it um, like the alter ego stuff and that type of thing? Is it is it um, kind of in that sense where it's like you you want to write good music, but you also want people to know that like obviously you know when we're doing stuff that's over the top or whatever, it's just part of the fun and the entertainment of the show. You get it. Matter of fact, I'll tell you our boundaries. Uh, you know how when you drive on the highway, uh, you don't want to hit the barricade on the left nor the right. Right. <laughs> Neither one's better than the other. We got those boundaries. I mean, I mean we don't want to hit self-seriousness. We don't want to hit that, that that part of grunge where we you think every word we say should matter to your heart and soul, you know. Yeah. But on the other side of the fence, we never get silly. We never get uh, dumb or, or funny. We, we like to walk the line between 
it's somewhere between clever, witty, and sarcastic within our music. You know, we, we know that when you're larger than life and, and when you're a big sounding band, it's only for that hour or two. And after that's done, like everybody else, get a bird with everybody, say hi to everybody, get hang on the floor, you listen to the next band. You know, and that's what we're going for. And so if you can expect anything in our shows, like if you ever get the concert to one, the expectation we put on each other is if you grab four dudes and put them in a room with 20 wicked friends that are dressed as robots and monsters and just want to, like, jump on stage with you and dance around and, 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 and girls dance next to the drum riser and all that stuff, we will do that. And we will have fun. And it is on a, of a vision to see. So if you take those four same dudes and put them in a the garage and just say, here's some guitars and some drums, can you still pull off a big show? We can do it without any of that stuff. You know, and matter of fact, this Friday, I don't think we have any of, like, you know, the crazy, like, you'll see photos of us or videos online, like, where we've got robots and all kinds of stuff. I don't think we're doing that this time around. We're just kind of, we're showing, like, you put, you put eight feet on the floor and we will stop the shit out of that stage, you know. And that's all we're going for this Friday. I think we might do some of the crazier stuff a month or two later and stuff, but we never make it before that's a necessity, if that makes any sense. You yeah. know, it, it, it's, uh, we want to be able to pull it off even if it was just like kind of impromptu, the four of us bumped into you, you, your party. We could pull off that show, you know? Yeah. But you, you never know what will happen. We had <laughs> some crazy stuff in the meantime. And, and so we try to walk that balance between where we might have that, but we don't need it. And the same with the sarcasm and the, the, you know, anywhere between dark depths of lyrics to, like, sarcastic goofiness. We try not to hit the wall of either one. It's more, we want stuff that everybody can relate to. Everybody can say, like, hey, great music, cool songs. Who can resist that? I don't care if it's a pop song, a folk song, a country song, or a heavy metal song. Everybody likes that, you know? And uh, that's all we've ever tried to dwell on that area. So, gentlemen, creatures, and robots. How did you come up with that title? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we've been known every album usually has one or two where the title is interesting enough to just be an entire song, whether you've heard it or not. So, you know, the bar was raised, and we've had songs like uh, "The Guillotine Is a Scream" and "Pom Pom Science Fair Suicides" and. and, and <laughs> just plenty of songs that really take it over the top, you know? Yeah. And without trying, though, it was just kind of a, we get into a lot of, like, socio-political allegories and stuff like that, you know, it's a little cryptic and stuff, and then and, and, and all we came up with was uh, the guys just laid down this riff that just slayed me. I mean, it just, it sounded like if News got in a fight with Soundgarden and Jay-Z came to break it up, it would be the breath of all of them yelling at each other. That was like the riff, you know? Yeah. And I just started singing over top of it, and, and it just kind of came down to just how, I mean, I guess it's a little bit metaphor for just how in this day and age it seems like people all just pick to define each other by like the most extreme version of everything. And so we make each other into either gentlemen, creatures, or robots. And I guess if, guess if you're taking it toward, you're going to interpret what I'm trying to say. But at the same time, on the shallowest end of that pool, that's just a cool name for a song. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and at the end of the day, that's what matters. And, and so I guess that's a good example of how we try to be the best of both worlds. If you want to take it to the deepest end, you can go there, but you don't have to enjoy the song. And, uh, yeah, that, that title just hit us, and we wrote a lot of other songs with other, other titles, but that one seemed to be the one that was the most interesting. We're just like, that's an album title, title right there. You know, let's change that. And this show, it'll be it'll be you with uh, Jason, Justin, and James all playing? You got it, yep. Me, Jason, Jared, Justin Fuller, and James Graham. The only flaw we ever had is that my first name didn't start with Jay. <laughs> Now, now for you, uh, um, after being down in Atlanta for a little while, and you, and you mentioned you had some some record deals down there, and, and I saw even online on your site that you've you've written with thirty five you know different musicians over the years. Was it always for you a, a thing of um, wanting to come back to your roots in, in Toledo, or 
Um, you know, what, what were some of those experiences like down there and then kind of transitioning and coming back up here and being able to do the society's ugly son thing? Oh, wow. Man, dude, that is a good question. Okay, it was on the record, right? Let me think for a second. <laughs> uh, well, no, no, you know what? Nobody's ever asked me that, sincerely, up here. Um, no, I wish that I could say that that was for my love of Toledo and, and that I wanted to come back. I actually got manhandled in the place and was dragged back here with my teeth in the mud, pulling against it the whole time. Uh, basically what happened, uh, the record deal I had, it got diminished each time, those three record deals, and I was 18 years old way back then, you know. And uh, we were ahead of the game, it was unheard of. I had a songwriting partner that was actually from, uh, oh shoot, let me think for a second, Bedford, Michigan, and he was a country artist. And I was actually a heavy metal guitarist. So this is before I was a singer. He was a singer, I was a guitar player. And we wrote these songs that were like a merging of heavy metal and country. And so I moved down there for that record label and never planned on being a front man ever, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And when I got down there, we got everything signed and we got all these songs written and everything. He fell in love with a girl and quit music altogether. And so you can imagine that left me in kind of like a, wow, what do I do now? Well, two shadowless has happened in my life. I uh, got my girlfriend at the time pregnant, and I fell down a hole and broke my back where I wasn't supposed to walk again. Other than that, I never planned on coming to Toledo, dude. I, when I tell you about my love for Toledo now, it is a learned love, if you will, you know? Um, so ultimately, I ended up back here not knowing what to do or anything, and that's when I wrote a lot of songs. I couldn't walk, I was out of cane, I was told I wouldn't walk again, I was trying to learn to be a father, you know, just all that kind of stuff. And uh, that's when I formulated a lot of the things you and I had just talked about. So like, I'm a, I'm a, I guess, devil in the details, that's where that came from. Um, but through that, then, when I started playing again, that's when I started noticing all the stuff. I just told you, like, wow. As much as I love Atlanta, you're always a small fish in a big pond. I don't care if you're signed, unsigned, what. In Toledo, if you're good, you'll get noticed. And if you're good, you'll find other bands that are great. And if you find other bands that are great, you'll all play together all the time. You'll find crowds that love music. Does that make sense? Like yeah. it was, It was a different experience. Like we're talking Toledo for real. Uh, it was about that time. I mean, we're, we're probably talking 10 years ago now. But I started getting really infatuated with the Toledo scene, and I'm talking everywhere from the, the acoustic singer-songwriter scene to the heavy metal stomping on stages and acting crazy used to be, you know. And I'm still a little infatuated with it. I mean, it's a, it's a rare thing to have a city with, with, with eight towns within two and a half hours' drive that have over 80,000 population count. Yeah. You know? Uh, it's unheard of and I mean I try to be a conduit between different songwriters here and different bands and, and, and all that stuff and that's why I just want to keep creating because I mean you got to say here I don't know in Atlanta if I would have kept doing that in Atlanta could you have lit the wick to the dynamite up my ass to make me record those six albums we just talked about with my band plus three solo albums all within seven years <laughs> I find it hard to believe, 10, ten full-length albums in, in, in seven years. It takes a town like Toledo to make you do that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're we're blue-collar, we're, we're, we're all about working before figuring out why we're doing it, you know? And uh, yeah, so that's where that came from, and that, that's where that inspiration comes from. And I mean, it's between, if you play within an hour to here, you're playing anywhere from Toledo to Ann Arbor to Detroit to Cleveland to... to you know, not far from Dayton, really, at that point. And, uh, yeah, that, that's where it just keeps relighting that wick, you know. Um, so I guess I just say that as, like, I wish I was respectable enough to say, like, I just couldn't wait to get back to Toledo. I really was one of those guys that bad-mouthed it. I was ashamed when I first got back. I felt like a failure. <laughs> Everybody was like, oh, you're in Atlanta. You got a record deal, you, you know. You made it, and then I came back not too long after, and I just had a lot more making it to do, and I'm still doing that now, you know. But, uh, yeah, once I got here, I found it to be much more inspirational to keep creating stuff than I think I would have in Sister City. If, if that makes any sense to you, you know. 
Yeah, yeah. No, that's why I that's why I ask those types of questions. You know, I like to. You know, I like no, to. I think that's great, dude. Nobody's ever like said like, well, how did that happen? Like, you know, how did you get from point A to point B? But how did? What was point A, point B in between? Well, and it's <laughs> it's kind of funny how um, how things work out because it's like now you've been able to do the society's you know ugly son thing and have fun with that, and who knows if you would have been down in Atlanta, maybe you would have got. You would have got boxed in like like it seems like a lot of people in the music industry do where, you know, they have people eventually saying, well, hey, you know, you'll sell more records if you make this sound and why don't you go this direction? And then they kind of use your abilities for something that's watered down as opposed to you getting to feed all these other creative avenues. So it's kind of funny how it all worked out, you know. Oh, dude, you totally get it. Like that's actually when I look now, I'm just like, man, I'm just starting. You know, whereas back then, as crazy as it sounds, I thought I was ending. You, you know what I mean? Like in Atlanta, they made me feel like this was the end of my career. I better do one great thing. In Toledo, I still feel it seven or ten albums later, within seven years, I feel like this is the beginning of my career. I need to do a lot of great things. And, and, and it was the weirdest thing to have that that flip for me. It was like getting a second life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's mighty to me to be able to look at any album that my independent band has put out. Society's Ugly Sun has never released one album that's not what we wanted to release. Whereas I know if I would have stayed in Atlanta, if I had done seven albums somehow, I wouldn't be proud of all of them. You know what I mean? Like, it just it wouldn't happen. You can't be on a major label and do that many albums and go like, yeah, everything went perfect as far as artistically where I wanted to go. Whereas when you're independent and you're up here in the rough belt, shit, if I wasn't proud of it, I wouldn't release it in the first place. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like that's just, it's the honest to God truth. There's just, there's not out of, when I'm done doing my part on the seventh album with these guys, we've all agreed, like, I can't even say which one's our favorite. We are equally proud of each one, but just in different ways. You know, it's like having seven children. You can't pick the one that's the lousiest, and you can't pick the one that's the best. <laughs> Usually you go like, hey, man, they are all exactly what I was hoping to make. <laughs> and that could only happen here in the Rust Valley. You can't do that in New York. You can't do that in Atlanta. If you're going to do that kind of high-stakes thing, you know, L.A. or something, you're going to make some sacrifices. You make seven albums, you make four bad ones and three good ones. Whereas here, if you're independent and you just want to keep pumping them out and if, if, if friends and fans are kind enough to buy enough to, to fund your next album, who the matter is, you're only going to put out stuff you're proud of. You know? And uh, that's a great feeling. And I don't think I would have ever had that if life would have went a different way. Righty dighty, there you have it. That was Michael Fish Fisher of Society's Ugly Son, also of Ugly Things Productions. Make sure you go to his website at www.uglyonline.net. He's got all of his music on there from solo stuff to the Society's Ugly Son stuff. He's got a little bio on there to kind of give you some more background about some other things that he's got going on in his life. There's links to the Facebook page, his YouTube music channel, and also go follow Society's Ugly Son on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Society's Ugly Son. I will also put up the link to the story that I did a few months back when they had their concert. So yeah, man, it was it was really cool. Really cool to talk to 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 Mike. You know, Toledo is is a place that he got out of when he was young, as you guys heard, and kind of circled back around and ended up being able to make a lot of really good music back here in the Black Swamp in his hometown and do his thing. And it just I really think it's just a cool story about, you know, not giving up on the stuff that you really you really love to do. You know, and actually I just I just saw Dean Del Rey, a really, really good comedian. Check him out. Also has a really, really fun podcast. But Dean Del Rey, he's he's good buddies with Jay Moore. That's kind of how I discovered him. And Jay has been taking him out a lot on his his comedy shows. He's uh, had Dean open him for him a lot. I think they were just recently in San Francisco. But Dean just posted something on his Facebook yesterday with a link to something Joe Rogan had said just about you know, not giving up on what you love and, and not falling into that trap of, of you know what, what society is basically telling you to do and 
and, and, you know, ending up working in a cubicle at some job that you don't like. I mean, granted, we all have to do what we have to do to pay the bills and, and make ends meet, but so many people are, are blessed with, with these gifts. And, and, and as we get older, I think a lot of us start to kind of subscribe to that, that narrative that we were sold when we were younger, that, you know, you get married, you, you, you know, go to school, then you get your degree, then you get a good job with benefits and health care and paid vacation. And then you hopefully meet the girl of your dreams. And then you guys get married. And then you get the house with the white picket fence and the golden retriever named Buckaroo. And you have two and a half kids with a two car garage and life is great. And, and the reality is, is that life is not linear like that. You know what I mean? It's not that's it doesn't happen that way for everybody you know there's all kinds of things that come up in your life that that you just don't even see coming i i don't even know if i if i've even talked about it on this podcast and it's and it's kind of involved so i'm not going to get too into it but i when i was 17 years old i had a tumor that just out of nowhere that i discovered when when my nose started bleeding really badly one day 17 years old, getting ready to go to college, wrapping up the last few months of high school, just trying to drag that out and, and get ready to, to get into that next phase. And I couldn't wait for it because, I mean, I got a great education at the school that I went to, but I just, you know, I, I was ready for college. I was ready to meet new people. I was ready to get out of that that little bubble. And and that happened, you know what I mean? And it, it's just, it's crazy. You know, when, when my grandpa died, he was he was gone in a week. It was crazy. It was like he's here, seven days later, dead. It was nuts. It was nuts, you know what I mean. So, really, I, I think Fish's story is cool because it just shows you that that things in your life, more often than not, are are not going to go the way that you plan. You know, you just just imagine if you were a musician. You know, not long after high school, you get some record deals down in, in a city like Atlanta, which is a lot bigger than Toledo, and musically, there's a lot going on down there. I mean, Atlanta, you know, from Usher to Mastodon to, you know. Andre 5000, Big Boy with Outkast. I mean, Atlanta's got a lot of stuff going on musically. And then that falls apart. You know, you, you end up finding out your girlfriend's pregnant. Then you fall in a hole and you think you're never going to walk again. And you, you come back to your hometown. Just, I mean, talk about just having your, your, your guts ripped out and just, you know, strip, you know, stripped out and dripping on the floor. I mean, that's basically what happened to Fish. And he turned a negative into a positive. He came back here, raised his raised his kid, and wrote a lot of really really cool music. You know, so it was a lot of fun talking to you, Fish. If you checked us out, thank you again so much for the time and and for all of you out there, man. I mean, that's that's hopefully what I think is you know cool about this podcast. If you if you check it out, that um, these stories hopefully are a little inspiration for you in your own life to pursue your dreams and and choose to do with your life what what you want to do with it. We all have to. You know, eat eat that uh, that moldy, stale sandwich every now and again. You know, of life to get where we want to go. So I'm not saying don't do what you have to do to make ends meet. You know, I mean, obviously, I don't want you guys doing horrible things to one another. I'm never going to be a proponent of that. You know, when it comes to survival, obviously within reason, within within the confines of of the law. You know, don't don't do anything crazy to survive. You know, but you know. You're going to have to work a job that you might not want to work for a little while. If you're an artist or a musician or a writer or, you know, an athlete, there there might be things that you have to do to on the on the along the way, you know, along the way to to make ends meet. So when I'm talking about survival and doing what you got to do to survive, that's what I mean. I mean you're going to have to work some jobs that you don't like. You're going to have to work with with some people and for some people that you may not like too much, you know, or or you might end up with a job that, you know. It's not anything you want to be long term, and you'll find that the the people and the experiences there are, are, you know, really really good and what you needed at that point in your life. You know, it might not might not be the job of your dreams, but it's helping you make ends meet, and, and along the way, you're meeting some really good people. And you never know who you're going to run into. It's all about networking. You know, it's all about keeping your eyes open and your ears open, and, and being good to people above all else. You know, don't do things for people because you want something in return. Do things for people because you want to be good by human beings. You want to be good by each other. You want to do good by each other. You know, that's that's really what I believe in. It's just whoever I meet, just, you know, sometimes your experiences with people are limited and sometimes they're they're expansive. And whatever whatever situation that is, you got to be good to people because at the end of the day, we're all we have left, man. 
I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now, and it's just I really think that our survival as, as a human race is how how much are we really going to care about each other as things get more challenging with our environment and our ecosystem and, you know, all this crazy stuff going on with ISIS and just, just you know, be good to each other. I, I love it when I meet a stranger who ends up being a good person because it just it gives me more faith in humanity. And Michael Fish Fisher is one of those people. So thank you again, Michael. And once again, you guys, go follow Fish on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Society's Ugly Son. They're working hard on album number seven, Gentlemen, Creatures, and Robots. Got to love that name. UglyOnline.net is the website, www.uglyonline.net. You can go check out music from Society's Ugly Son to Fish's solo stuff. He's got shows that are on there, some extras, all the different projects he's been in. I mean, it's a really, really cool, comprehensive site. Link to his YouTube page, to his Facebook, so check that out. And also, I will put up the link, as I, as I mentioned earlier, for the story that I did with Fish back in October. So thanks again, Fish. Thanks again to all of you. And remember, you can go to YouTube, type in Bauman's Breakdown, check out all the past shows. I have all those up except for like two. I, I don't know what happened to a couple of the files over the years from doing the, the podcast at Mike's Place in Rossford. And uh, now making the switcheroo and recording it on my own in, in my little basement with my little soundboard, which I which I like very much, I'm actually I'm actually uh, surprised at, at how easy I find the software to use because because I'm so bad with like math and engineering stuff, and this is really simple stuff using Audacity and my kit from Behringer Audio. It's great, but um, yeah, man, go check out Michael Fish Fisher. Dude's a good dude, makes good music, is a good singer, good musician, good guitarist, and Society's Ugly Son is awesome. And Fish was cool enough that I actually emailed him. I said, hey, man, remember when we talked like a few months back and we talked about doing a podcast? And I said, hey, I'm finally, I'm finally getting the opportunity to put that out there. I'd love to have some music from you. And he got back to me almost immediately, gave me two songs to choose from to give you guys today for Society's Ugly Son. So the one that I am choosing that he gave me is the song Trench from Society's Ugly Son. Really, really rocking song, and I'm, I'm excited to to give it to you guys. Fish is just, he's a good dude, and, and I, I really hope you enjoy this track that I'm going to give you as soon as I get done shutting up and uh, plugging everything that I got to plug. But Trench was off the album Mountains, Motorcycles, Monsters, and Mayhem. Gotta love that name, man. Second track off of that record, once again, which you can get on UglyOnline.net. So I hope you guys enjoyed as much as I did because it's an awesome song. So thanks again, all of you guys. Thanks again, Fish. Remember, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Type in Bauman's Breakdown on iTunes, and you can subscribe. and And if you feel, you know, feel free to rank it. You know, feel free to rate it because the more ratings and the more people are talking about it, the higher it starts to rank, which means the more eyes are going to get on people like Mike Fisher. You know, people are going to get to see society's ugly son stuff more. So that's that's really why I want you guys to subscribe. You know, I mean, even though it's cool for me on a personal level to know that there's people checking out the the podcast and new people coming on board, it's really all about these stories and sharing them with you guys and hopefully inspiring you in your own life and and getting, you know, word out about some of these underground musicians that you might not be too familiar with, like Fish, who's doing a lot of really cool things. So subscribe on iTunes if you have Android with your smartphone. The app that I have for mine, because I have Android, is Podcast Addict. That's where I listen to all my favorite shows from More Stories to Girl on Guy with Aisha Tyler, Bill Simmons, uh, The BS Report, The Adam Carolla Show, Love the Ace Man, The Joe Rogan Experience, WTF with Mark Marin. Bill Burr's Monday Morning Podcast. I mean, there's so many of them. The Crab Feast with Ryan Sickla and Jay Lawson. I love those dudes. They're absolutely hysterical. I barely made it through my workout yesterday because I was laughing so hard at some of the stories they were telling. So Podcast Attic is, is where you can also subscribe to, to my show as well if you have Android. And if you have an iPhone, just poke around. There's some, there's some apps out there I'm sure where you can find it. Uh, I'm not real sure because I don't have an iPhone. But I'm sure there's some apps where you can subscribe on there as well. 
So thanks again, everybody. I really appreciate it. Um, just really, really, really excited to give you guys this one. It's kind of a bittersweet day. It's a bittersweet day, and it's and it's bittersweet because my best friend of all time is moving, which saddens me because it's not going to be as easy to see him, even though I know we're we're going to be best friends no matter what, and we're still going to stay in touch. Um, so that part of it is is a little bitter for me because I'm going to miss him like crazy. I love the dude. And I know you guys are like probably laughing right now about our bromance, but he's my best friend in the whole world. He's like a brother from another lover, truthfully. But it's also sweet because later today I'm supposed to be talking to somebody whose music I've, I've been following for, for quite some time. And I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm going to tease you guys, you know, not because I'm a tease, but because, you know, I just I like keeping you on your toes a little bit. You know what I mean? I like keeping you on the edge of your seat. You know what I mean? You want the leg of the wing, Henry. Give yourself a pat on the back if you know that reference. But that's supposed to be happening later today, and I'm excited about it. And I also want to mention Record Store Day is coming up on April 18th, next Saturday. So whatever town you're in, if you're listening to this in the state, go check out your local record stores. Check out some of the cool stuff that's happening. And just in general, go check out your local record stores. But So yeah, today's, today's a little bittersweet because my, my best friend of the whole world is moving across the country, but I'm supposed to be talking to somebody who uh, I've, I've been wanting to talk to for a really long time, and I'm actually still pinching myself that it's, that it's happening. And if it all goes as planned and it, it goes down, you guys will hear that conversation on this podcast in the not-so-distant future. So thanks again, everybody. As always, keep the faith. And be kind to one another. Here is Trench from Society's Ugly Son. Peace. Fingers too far clenched. 